0: Amen. Brethren, there is wisdom in in obedience and heeding your teachers and instructors in you in the Lord. Those that are over you in the Lord. Those that would instruct you and teach you the way of following Christ. The Bible has much to say on the blessing of obedience And in Proverbs chapter 2, what we saw was, was a father exhorting his son, exhorting him to receive his words, to treasure up his commandments, to make his ear attentive to wisdom, to incline his heart to understanding that the result would be, we read in that proverb, if you were listening, that he would walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of righteousness. And I want you to consider, brethren, today, I want you to consider what Scripture has to say about heeding, teaching, and wisdom and instruction. And by way of introduction, I want want to read you these verses. Listen with me. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs chapter 12, verse, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1, he who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond Healing. Brethren, to be stiff-necked is to be strong-willed. It is to be unteachable. And brethren, as, as we have uh, worked through things this week as a church and as pastors, we're, I have decided that we're going to take a break in the teaching of the parables, and we probably won't return to the parables. And what I want to do today is I want to teach us and tell us what is the responsibilities Between pastor and member in the church and member to pastor. What are those roles? How does that relationship function in the local church? Brethren, we need a biblical understanding of authority in the church and a biblical understanding of submission unto that authority. Brethren, it is God's design. He has placed authority structures in the church for the good of the people of God. And we ought not despise it. It is for the good of His bride. And so I want you to open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 13.
1: And we're going to look at verse 17 together. Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17. let,
0: Let us read God's word together. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Brethren, as we work through this text, what I want to do and what I want to deal with first is the grounding, is the because, is the why of the command. Obey and submit to your leaders. That is the command. And and here the text is addressed primarily and specifically to members of the church. This is addressed to you, to heed and to listen and to submit yourself underneath the guiding and directing of your pastors and your elders. And brethren, listen, I think this needs to be brought before the church for for a few reasons. Folks, we believe that all scripture is inspired by God and that it is profitable for teaching, for reproof for correction, and for training in righteousness. And listen, church, if we, the reality is this, if we do not teach you these things, who's going to teach you them? Who is going to teach you of biblical authority and biblical submission and, and how this relationship works in the church? Who's going to teach you? We must be men of God who are going to teach you the whole counsel of God. And so my heart is today is is to teach and exhort you in the importance of this, why this is, and why it is important. Brother, we want to be biblical. We want to be biblical in every area of our life as we submit ourselves underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And brethren, I do this and, and bring this to you because I love the church. I love the local church as a pastor. I love the bride of Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. When you hear the words, obey and submit, what comes to mind? That's a rhetorical question. Don't answer that. What comes to mind when you hear those words? Obey and submit. I think naturally, our flesh repulses against it. It rebels against the idea of authority and submission. But brethren, listen, you need to obey and submit to your pastors. I think there's a few reasons why, uh, at least there's a number of them, but I just want to address a couple of them, why we hate that that, that idea, why we hate that concept of authority and submission. We repulse authority because of pride, flat-out pride, brethren. Brother, we live in an anti authority age. We live in an age where, where people are about self rule, self government. We stiffen our neck to authority. We have this you can't tell me what to do mentality. And, brethren, it's utterly unbiblical. Utterly unbiblical. We see the nations raging in Psalm chapter 2 trying to break off the cords of God's sovereignty and authority over them. Brethren, read the book of Numbers. Read Numbers and see the people grumbling against leadership, opposing themselves to God, stiffening their neck. Brethren, pride goes before destruction. And I know you know that. And I know you've heard, you know the Bible passages. But brethren, we ought to, to hear them and not just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. As James teaches us, I think a second reason why we repulse authority is because we have either seen or been personally affected by people who have abused that authority. They have abused it. Whether that's abusive parents, or spouses, or bosses, or former pastors, men who are greedy for gain, men who lord it over the sheep, men who take advantage of God's people. Brethren, that's a reality. But we need to have a biblical understanding. We have got to come to the Bible, brethren, and recognize that authority and structure is God's good design. It's His good design for His world.
1: It's his good design for the bride of Christ. Brother, without authority, we have have chaos. Absolute chaos.
0: It is not safe to have no authority. God has given authority in the spheres of government and family and the church for the good of his people. Brother, listen to me. If you find yourself today utterly disgusted at authority and you stick your nose up in the air and you puff out your chest and you say whether openly or in your heart that no one can tell you how to live or no one can tell you what to do, you need to repent and you need to repent now and repent quickly. Brethren, we We've, we've heard the text, God opposes the proud. And the ironic thing of that is that text is, occurs and falls in a passage that is speaking of and calling the church members to be subject to the elders. In 1 Peter chapter 5, you must repent. Now, I want to deal with the passage. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Brethren, this text assumes two things. First of all, it assumes church membership. Brethren, it assumes that you have men who are leading you. Brethren, it is, it is utterly foreign to the Bible to have alone. Ranger mentality to Christianity. Utterly foreign to the Bible. Listen, if you're not interested in or moving toward biblical membership, brother, you're out of the will of God. God has revealed his will. You are resisting against the means by which God has placed in your life to care for your soul. And to shepherd you. And to see that you make it on that straight and narrow path that leads to life. We need to be moving toward that. And listen, folks, you have a couple people in here who are not members of any church. You need to be working toward that. It is for the good of your soul. And for the safety of you. For your growth. And your spiritual health. It assumes church membership. It also assumes this. The passage assumes that you are being led by men, not women, men who are biblically qualified to pastor the flock of God. Men who meet the characteristics and the qualities of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, that they meet those characteristic uh, 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 requirements and they are growing in them. Amen? They meet them and they are growing in them. Also men who can teach and are growing in their ability to teach sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict. That is what the text assumes. If you are in a church that is led by someone who is biblically unqualified, you have no biblical obligation to submit and obey those leaders. If you have women pastoring churches, you are by under, uh, under no means to sit underneath those women and submit and obey their, their, their leadership. That is utterly unbiblical. The text assumes that. Those two things, church membership, that you have leaders, identifiable, that you're accountable to them, and that those men are biblically qualified to lead the church of God. Now, I want to deal first with the responsibilities and the roles of pastors to their people. Brethren, I want to deal with that first. That is the ground. That is the foundation upon which the the commandment comes to us. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls and will have to give an account. I want to deal first, brethren, with my responsibility to you. Nick's responsibility to you. Aaron's responsibility to you as the people of God. Now, notice here. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. To them. Leaders, plural, them, they. Brethren, the the ideal model of church government is a plurality of elders. A plurality of pastors. A plurality of overseers. And they're the same office. We don't have... Pastors over here, elders over here, and overseers somewhere over here. It is the same office. Interchangeable words. Pastors, overseers, elders. And it it assumes, and we need to be working toward a plurality. And brethren, they are co-equal in authority. Listen to me. There is no such thing as a lead pastor or a senior pastor in the Bible. That is utterly foreign. Utterly foreign and then the poor associate pastor underneath him, and the poor worship pastor underneath him, and the poor children's pastor, and the parking lot pastor, and whatever else underneath them. Brethren, that is unbiblical. Those elders, those who rule the church, are co-equal in authority. You look at our website. And I was looking at this today or yesterday, and I was very greatly encouraged by this. Okay, On our website, underneath our leaders page, and you don't have to do it this way, but I like it. Okay, We have one picture of three men, and they are linked, arms around each other, uncomfortable, but it's okay, we're, we're, we got our arms around each other, That's right. to show, brethren, that we are a united, amen, that we are a united front and leading God's people. The only thing that distinguishes the, the, the three of us is our height and our looks. Other than that, we are, we, we are equal, brethren, okay? But I'm being, but I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm being serious. I like how we have that, and I don't know if we did that on purpose, but I like it. One picture: three men locked in arms, fortified on leading the people of God. Now, understand this as well. One can be set aside for the express purpose of laboring in teaching and in preaching. Scripture teaches that, right? Okay, we can set one aside for to, to labor in teaching and preaching. We share the load here, and I think that's a, been a great blessing to all three of us. But if we chose to have one person lead out in in teaching and preaching, that does not mean that he has more authority or that he is now the senior pastor or the lead pastor. And now the other two are just the associate pastors. That is unbiblical. They are co-equal in authority. And brethren, you're to submit to them all. Not just your favorite ones, church. All of them all of them these are men according to 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 men who are called to rule to rule brethren and they're to rule well let the elders who rule well be worthy and considered of double honor brethren they are to rule well and in their ruling we have a number of responsibilities we have a number of things that God has commanded us as pastors, as elders, as overseers to do. And I want to name four, and then we're going to work through these. And then we're going to get to your relationship to us. Number one, they are to watch over the souls of those entrusted to them. Number two, they are to shepherd faithfully. Number three, they are to pay careful attention to the flock. And number four, they will give an account before God on the day of judgment for how they have fulfilled their calling and their duties. So brethren, I want to work through these. This is by no means an exhaustive list, uh, but as I was preparing, I thought these would be good and profitable for us to look at uh, for uh, your, your teaching and edification. Let's look at first. Our first role of responsibility toward you is we watch over your soul. Look what the text says. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Brethren, this, this word here has the idea of not sleeping. It's A against uh, hypnos, hypnos, right? Sleep. So against sleep. Against no sleeping. No time off. Staying vigilant. This is, this is constantly watching over. Now notice here, it's not just watching over the physical, right? The body. The physical per se. It's watching over the soul. Brethren, your, your, your spiritual well-being. We have a duty as men to watch over your soul to see that you make it safely to that golden shore. We are to watch for anything that can be hurtful to you spiritually. That is what God has called us to do. We are to watch out for danger. We are to warn of sin. We are to warn of error. Think of what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. I love that verse. Him we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Warning and teaching, brethren, is the work of discipleship. It is the work of the pastor to warn and to teach the flock. Brethren, we're to watch over the devices of Satan. How is he trying to get a foothold in this church? Members bickering over one another. We're to watch over that. Disunity, we're to watch over that. Jealousy, we're to watch over that. Division in the church, we're to watch over that. Don't we read in Philippians that those two women, I forget their names off the top of my head. Anyone? No? no. Those two women, in, there you go. Those two. <laughs> that, 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 that Paul says that they ought to agree in the Lord. Brethren, there was, there was division and disunity in the church, and they needed to agree for the purpose of the gospel. That the gospel would advance. We're to watch over those things. Brethren, we're like watchmen on a hill. read that in Ezekiel. Watchmen on the hill. And we are to sound the alarm when we see danger coming in. We're to watch over. But positively, hear me out here, that we're to watch for ways to help you grow in the faith. Brethren, that's what we do. That's what our desire is, that you would grow in faith and in knowledge and in holiness and in love for Christ and for His people. We recommend to you books, articles, sermons, little things to read, things that would be an, uh, an encouragement to you to build you up in the faith. We're trying to help you. Songs to sing. These different things. We're, we're watching out on how could God's people be encouraged in the faith. And brethren, we watch over you in prayer. And I love Epaphras' Epaphras's example in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Listen to this. You don't have to turn there, or you can if you want. Epaphras, Paul says, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. What a great example for pastors. Struggling in prayer for you, brethren. What a, what a high bar to look to. As we look at Epaphras, as we look to Christ, who is, who is the mediator. Constantly praying for us, brethren. That is the job and role of the pastor to struggle in prayer for you, to wrestle in prayer for you, that you would stand mature and, and, and assured in all of the will of God. Brother, we watch over you and your decision-making. Is what you are doing detrimental
1: to your souls? Is it helpful? Is it beneficial? Is it wise? Brethren, we are dealing with souls. That reality
0: has uh, been heavy on me these past few weeks. Not just this week, brethren, these past few weeks. We are dealing with people's souls.
1: We are watching over your soul. Brethren, it's terrifying at times.
0: We're dealing with people either making shipwreck of their faith... Or persevering to the end. God forbid that your pastors would be lax. And that we would be sleeping. Not paying attention. Not watching over the flock. That We would be caught sleeping. We are to watch over your souls. We're also to, number two, pay careful attention to the flock. Hold your finger here in Hebrews. We're coming back here. Let's go to Acts chapter 20.
1: Acts chapter 20. I want you to look at uh, starting in verse 17.
0: We're going to read down a little bit, but uh, just some context here. Acts 20, verse 17. Now at Miletus, he, that's Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders, notice the plural there, of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them. So we have Paul here instructing the elders of the Ephesian church. And he's telling them a number of things and encouraging them. Now, I want you to to just go down and uh, go down to verse 25. We're going to read a few verses here. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. In which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood." Brethren, we are to pay careful attention to the flock. Now, this is similar to watching over, but, but watching over kind of has this, 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 this broad view of, of, of being up on a, on a, on a city wall and, and, and watching out, watching over. To pay careful attention to, uh, a little bit, of, little bit of a different angle, has this idea of up close, attending to, detailed observance, close examination. You think of children, right? Okay, I watch my children, they're out, they're out front playing, maybe on a Saturday, you know, us men are kind of Taken back and sitting at the table, and we are watching the children, amen, we're watching them, all right, and they're out playing, and we're watching over them, okay, but if I'm going to pay careful attention that a little kid doesn't put a rock in her mouth, I need to get up close and pay closer attention to see the fine details, you see, so the idea of watching over and paying close attention to, I I think are a little bit different here, it's close detailed observance, but notice the order, Pastors are to pay careful attention to themselves first. First, brethren, the pastor has to keep a close watch on his moral purity, on his spiritual growth, so that he could properly attend to the people of God, closely to them. We must be examples in everything, especially in holiness. And brethren, we hear it all the time, pastors falling in in, in sexual sin, Pastors falling and failing in their, in their, in their, uh, in their office, and in, in their duty, and in their holiness to Christ. We have to pay close attention to ourselves first and then to all the flock of God. Brethren, this presupposes that your pastors know you intimately. That's what it presupposes, that we know you. That we are involved in your life. As Christ knows his own by name, that's intimacy, we need to know our own. And we endeavor to do that and to grow in that, brethren. How do we do that? Through having you over for dinner, through conversations, for having some of you live with us. Amen? Good way to get to know someone and have a detailed, close observance on their life. Just live with them. You see see everything. Praise the Lord. (laughs) fellowship right this is how we get to know one another fellowship serving alongside
1: one another brethren asking how things are going being involved in bible study being in prayer meetings together
0: working together brethren this is is how we, we, we grow in our intimacy with you as the people of God to know you so that we could pay careful attention to you now, pastors have to pay careful attention to the different needs of each sheep. Listen, I love this, I love this
1: text. First Thessalonians chapter 5. You can actually go there. 1 First, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. If you hit Timothy and Titus, you went too far. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. The pastor
0: pays careful attention to the different needs of each sheep. Look at what Paul says here. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all.
1: To admonish the idle, to warn the idle, to encourage the faint hearted, to help the weak, be patient with all of them. Brethren, if
0: you are warning and being firm with someone who is faint hearted, that's not pastorally wise and discerning to do that. And on the opposite end, if someone is faint-hearted and we're just trying to encourage them, they need to be warned, you see. This calls for discernment in wisdom and how we shepherd God's people. Everybody needs something a little bit different. Their needs are different, but we must be patient with them all. Admonishing, warning, encouraging, helping the weak. Brethren, this calls for special care. And look at the example of Christ. And we not look to him. What do we read of Christ? A bruised reed he will not break and a smoking wick he will not put out. Christ is passionate. He is gentle. He is tender with his people. But what do we also see him doing? Rebuking. Get behind me, Satan. Write to Peter. That's pretty firm, brethren. That's firm. We look to Christ as the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, To follow his example on how he cared for the flock. This calls for pastoral wisdom and discernment. To pay close attention to the flock. To each sheep individually. Now, number three. We are to shepherd
1: the flock of God. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Number three, we are to shepherd the flock of God. 1 Peter chapter 5,
0: verses 1 to 5. This is Peter writing here. So I exhort the elders among you, notice the plural again, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. To the humble. Brethren, I want you to understand something here. We are to shepherd the flock. Church, whose flock is it? Whose flock? It's it's yeah, right? The flock of God. It's Christ's flock. It's God's flock. Brethren, the people in the church belong to God. You belong to Him. He chose you, He sent His Son to die for you. He's given you his his, his spirit and sealed you. That is characteristic of God's people. The people of God belong to God. It's his flock, brethren. Christians have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the beloved Son, the kingdom of light. God's kingdom. That is true of every Christian. Transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the marvelous sun. And pastors would do well to remember that, that it's God's flock and the church is God's house. And we ought to take heed, brethren, how we conduct ourselves in the house of God. The people of God ought to be treated with love, with meekness, with kindness, with respect, be dealt with in truth. Brethren, pastors are under shepherds. We're under shepherds to the chief shepherd. And we look to Him as the model, the good shepherd who laid down His life for the sheep. The one who leads them and protects them and feeds them and nourishes them. We look to the shepherd, Christ, who gave Himself for sinners. And brethren, we shepherd the flock of God by doing a number of things. I want to just work through some of these here. We shepherd the flock of God by first leading the sheep. Brethren, shepherds lead the sheep. They lead them. They take the sheep along on the journey. They provide guidance for the sheep. The shepherd leads the sheep to green pastures
1: as Christ leads his people to find rest. And brethren, in leading, there is a responsibility for us that we are responsible for the direction of the flock
0: we are responsible for how the flock is directed brethren the shepherd cannot properly lead the sheep if the sheep are constantly trying to run off and do their own thing can't lead the sheep brethren can't lead the sheep if 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 there's constantly butting heads brethren let the shepherds lead the sheep it is for the good of the people we are to lead the sheep Brethren, we're to feed the sheep, and we feed the sheep, we feed you with what? Some good grub afterwards, yes, amen. What else? The Word, the Word of God, brethren. It is a pastor's duty to feed the sheep the Word of God, the spiritual nutrients and the food that you need to survive and to grow, and to grow, brethren. As Jesus tells Peter in John chapter 20, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, and we do that through the Word of God preached and taught. Brethren, some people need milk, and some people need meat, but all the sheep need to eat, and that is honestly one of the one of the biggest difficulties in preparing sermons, is how could I feed the new Christian and also feed my fellow co-pastors? How do I feed them both? How do I feed everybody in between, The word of God. To exhort and encourage you. Calls for wisdom again. And discernment and much prayer. The sheep must be fed through the word of God. Preached and taught brethren. And it's through the word. That we get reproof and correction. And instruction and training and righteousness. Brethren it's the word of God that crushes like a hammer. It is the word of God that pierces the heart. And brings conviction of sin. It is the word of God that comes faith and continued faith through the Word. It is through the Word of God that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It is by the Word of God that a young man can keep his way pure. Brethren, it's through the Word of God that we uh, we see who God is. What do the Scriptures principally teach? Anybody? The Scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man from the catechism. The Word of God, brethren, is what builds up the church. We are, we, we are to be men who bring the Word of God. It is our job to teach sound doctrine that leads to
1: godliness and holiness. Turn with me to Titus chapter 1 real quick. Titus 1.1. 1, 1.
0: If you hit Thessalonians and Timothy, you haven't gone far enough.
1: Next book over. It is our
0: God-given responsibilities, brethren, to bring the Word of God, to bear on the people of God. Now, let's look at, 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 at verse 1. I want, I, I, I want to show you this. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness... Brethren, there is is a connection between knowledge of the truth and a growth in godliness. And the more you understand truth, the more godly you should grow. I want to read to you uh, this little note in the Reformation Study Bible on this verse. This is the little little comment here. Paul does not simply desire to convey information, but to see God's people grow in godliness through a believing reception of the truth He proclaims, brother, we're not up here to convey to you information. We are bringing to you the truth of the word of God that you would grow in godliness. And the word of God will bring change. Brethren, if the word of God does not bring change in your life, you are either number one unconverted or number two, the word of God is not being properly taught and presented to the people.
1: That is what we do. We are men who bring the word of God. And we must. And I want to encourage you.
0: That as you read the scriptures. That you would seek to understand them. And to obey them. And grow in godliness. The word of God will bring change upon the people. Also in our shepherding brethren. We are to protect the sheep. Now shepherds carried two items with them, a staff and a rod, okay? The staff is like that big stick, all right? And what was that for? The big one. Whooping, <laughs> Whooping who? The yeah, the bad guys, right? The wolves. I, 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 Caleb, I don't know what you said. Sorry, buddy. Okay? The staff is what they used to fight off intruders. It was, it was a defensive weapon, Okay, that's what the shepherds use, protection from the outside, sin creeping in, unsaved people trying to come in and make influence on God's people. We are to protect you from that. Brother, we're also to protect in, inside the church. And that is the hard reality of what has been going on this week, brethren. We are called as, as, as men of God and priests over God's house to guard, the, to, to guard, to guard God's house. To guard it from sin, brethren. Sin will not be tolerated in this church. It will not. And that's what's made it so difficult this week. We protect the sheep. It is our duty. And also, brethren, we discipline the sheep. Now, this is not the staff. This is, this is the rod, the shebet. Right? The little one. Little when you're out of line. All right. But listen, if if a member is walking in sin, brethren, it is our job to rebuke, to confront, to call out sin, to to potentially remove from privileges of ministry, to have to bar someone from taking the Lord's Supper. Brethren, these are the difficult things that we do as shepherds, disciplining. And do you think that we take pleasure in doing that? Does it make me happy to have to come and confront you with sin? By no means. But we have to do that because we love the sheep. Just like I discipline my child because I love him and I care for him and I want to see him walking in righteousness and, and, and walking in a way that honors God. We're to discipline, brethren. And the point of that is not just discipline in and of itself. It's, it's to bring repentance, brethren. It's to bring repentance. That is the goal of discipline, is to bring repentance. Brethren, also in our shepherding, we go after straying sheep. We see this in Matthew chapter 18. Brethren, if a sheep goes astray, then the faithful shepherd goes after that one sheep. A faithful shepherd and a faithful pastor does not say, well, I have 99 back at home. We could spare one. By no means. By no means. The faithful shepherd goes out to that one to call him to repentance, to call him to return, return to the
1: fold. It's not safe for you to be out here. Return underneath the shepherding care. Return.
0: Brethren, Christ is committed to the global church, amen, and he's also committed to the local church, amen, but he's also committed to each and every one of his people individually. And Christ will lose none of them.
1: And he uses the the pastors as a means to bring back straying sheep. But
0: brethren, if the sheep will not repent and return, then their blood be on their own hands. As Aaron said, we can lay our head on our pillow at night and know that we've done everything to go after the sheep. To plead, to plead, brethren, return, return to the fold. We go after them because Christ goes after them. Brethren, pastors are to faithfully shepherd the flock of God. That was number three. Now, number four, pastors are accountable
1: to God. Go back to Hebrews. Chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Obey your leaders,
0: verse 17, and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. Brethren, we are those who will have to give an account. Brethren, as certain as Christ laid down his life for his people, as certain as he rose again from the dead, as certain as he is ruling and reigning right now, the same certainty that your pastors will stand before the living God and give an account. We will give an account to how we shepherded you, how we counseled you, how we fed you the word of God. Brethren, we have to understand that God possesses all authority, all of it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, all authority in heaven and on earth. That's a nice way of saying everything has been given to me. God possesses all authority. He has always possessed all authority. Any authority given to anyone is derived and given from Him. He has the authority and He gives it as He pleases and to whom He will. And brother, any and all authority given to men comes from God, and they better steward it well. They better steward it well. You know what you read over there in Titus chapter 1? If you wanted to flip over there, but I'm just going to read. Paul says this in verse 5, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remain into order and to appoint elders, notice the plural again, and every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. He's just laying out these, these, these qualifications, brethren. And he says in verse 7, For an overseer as God's steward, stop. An overseer, a pastor, an elder as God's
1: steward. Brethren, let me ask you a question. Do stewards own anything? No.
0: That wasn't rhetorical. You can answer that one. Stewards do not own anything. Everything that they have has been given to them from someone else, their master. They have been trusted with authority. And they are to be faithful over what belongs to someone else. And we've read, brethren, we've read about unfaithful stewards. We've read about them. We've preached on them. When the master of the house comes... They will give an account, and those unfaithful men will be judged. We will stand before the judgment seat of God, brethren, and give an account. And, you know, I've I just been thinking about this this week more and more, and asking God to weigh that, the weight of that upon me more. Brethren, that it would drive us to our knees in prayer to find grace and help to be strengthened by the Spirit of God, to be faithful men over you, to care for you. And brethren, there's a reward for faithful shepherds, as I've been reminded this week by a dear sister in this church, that we will receive the crown of glory for our labor And brothers, I speak to you too. Nick and Aaron, I want to encourage you, brothers, to exhort you to continue to be faithful. Be faithful, men. Your labor is not in vain. Brethren, it's not in vain. So, brethren, that is the ground. That is the foundation. That is the because of the command. For you as the people of God to obey and to submit to your pastors. We watch over your souls. We pay careful attention to your life. We shepherd you and we do all that knowing that we will stand before God and give an account. And that is the grounds by which this command is laid upon. Let's go back to Hebrews 13. We're going to look at the responsibility now of you, members of this church, to your pastors. Verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Brethren, the, the commandment is not hard to understand. It's not. But the flesh repulses at the idea. Brethren, you need to obey and to submit to your, to your pastors in their teaching, in their counseling, And they're leading? Brethren, is this some sort of power grab? Brethren, we don't have one man leading out the church, trying to grasp for power, trying to grasp for some authority. Consider, brethren, we have three men who know each other well, who labor together, who take counsel together, who uphold one another, pray together, study together, live together, eat together. Plead for your behalf together. Ask one another for counsel and help for, for our own families. Brethren, you think that's a safe place to be for, the, for, 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 for you in this church? There's no struggle for power here. There's no power grab here. Consider that, brethren. We make decisions together. We pray and ask God to lead this church. It's a safe place, brethren. This is not blind obedience. Hear me here. This is not blind obedience. We are governed by the word of God. Brethren, what do the scriptures teach? That's what we, we have to come to the book. We have to come to the book. Consider this. And in Acts chapter 17, when Paul is in Berea, and he's out preaching the gospel, you know what he doesn't tell these, those Berean Jews? I'm an apostle. You need to submit to what I'm telling you. I'm telling you the gospel. Listen and obey. Don't you know who I am? But what do we read? Those Bereans searched out the scriptures to see if those things were so. Brethren, the Bereans were commended. They went to the word of God. That is where the authority lies, is in the word of God. Notice now the, the text here does not say, obey and submit only when you agree. but, if you disagree, then you're free to just leave. That is unbiblical and dangerous. That is unbiblical, brother. You're going to find that nowhere in Scripture. Submission is the most important when you do disagree, and it's hard. Brethren, it's hard. It's hard to submit when you're in disagreement hate to break it to you, brethren, but you're going to have times when you disagree with your pastors. You're going to have disagreements in doctrine. You're going to have disagreements in counsel. You're going to have disagreements in how the church is led. You're going to have disagreements on, 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 on how we spend money and what missionaries we, we support. You're going to have disagreements, brethren, in the decisions that we have to make. You're going to disagree all the time, but how are you going to respond? How will you respond? Will you respond in humility? Will you respond in pride and rebellion? You know what submission means? It means to yield. To resist no longer. To bring oneself under. That's what submission means. It's not just physically. Brethren, you could sit there in your chair and be in silence and outwardly looking like you're in agreement, you're submitting, you're you're walking according to the Scriptures, but inwardly you are hardening your heart and rebelling against God and against the people that God has given to His church to shepherd her. It's about the heart, brethren, and I want to encourage you guys in this. Listen, you... And certainly some of you have had disagreements in this church with some, with, with, whether it be doctrine, counsel, direction, decisions, whatever it is. I've seen it. And I've seen the submission. I've seen the willingness to go to Scripture, to have conversation. I've seen it, brethren. I've seen it in some of you. And it shows your maturity. And it shows that you love Christ. And you, and you want to be biblical in every area. I'm going to tell you right now, God will honor that. As you honor God, He will honor you, brethren. I want to encourage you in that. I want to give you two examples of submission in a difficult situation. And I want to show you how God blessed it. I want to start with Nikki and Sergio. Okay? Nikki and Sergio came to this church as new Christians. Brand new couple months, all right? We weren't even an established church yet. They were seeking out baptism. They were both dating. You know what the three of us told them? You need to cut off this relationship. Cut it off. Both of you need to seek after Christ, need to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Jesus Christ needs to be your everything. You need to find your full sufficiency and satisfaction in Him and not one another.
1: You need to break up. And brother, was that easy? No, it was not easy. It was not
0: easy. They both could have said, who do these people think they are? They meet in some house, there's like 10 of them. I don't even know these guys. They're telling me how I'm going to run my life. But they didn't, brethren. They didn't. Even in difficulty, even in confusion, and, and we sat down and we're reasoning, laying out our case before them, and they did that. And they broke up. Good. Nope. No more. With, with, with the intent of maybe they'll never get married. Maybe they will never even come back together. Maybe they'll marry someone else and they need to be okay with that. Christ needs to be everything to them. And they heeded and they submitted no doubt in difficulty, brethren. And God has blessed them. And he brought them back together in due time Strengthened in the Lord, deepened in their relationship with Christ. They sought to honor Christ and God honored them. And I had the privilege of performing their wedding. Now they got a baby coming. Little Mateo, praise the Lord. Brethren, God has blessed them. He has honored them. They could have just said, I'm out of here. I'm going to another church and doing that. God blessed that submission, He blessed it, brethren. Also, Sierra and I, a long a few years back, uh, when we were first planning to get married, we were dating and engaged, and uh, we were planning on moving to the Philippines immediately after being married to go, and I was going to teach, and, and, and I found myself preparing to, uh, to teach at a Bible college there in the Philippines, and so we were planning on this, getting married, boom, going to the mission field. And in the course of that time, pastors were on board, everything was, everything was going well, and then it wasn't. And then there was this, this, this magic new rule that said that newlyweds have to stay in America for minimum one year and use some really bad scripture to try to back that up. In my opinion, and still my opinion, ripping scripture right out of its context, kicking and screaming. It's ironic that after this was all done, another couple got married in the church, and they went to the mission field right away after they got married. No one-year rule. So it was just for me. It was just for me. Hindsight's 2020 and clear, but brethren, that was very difficult for us to, to deal with. I remember where I was hearing that kind of news from our, from our mission pastor, saying, you can't, you, you're not going anywhere, you have to stay. What? Stay? Why? That's Why? People were trying to convince me, I'm not called to be a missionary anymore. Now you're married. Now, now you have to stay here. You're not called. And brethren, I, I had a choice right there. I could leave. It was not even, there wasn't even biblical membership at this church. I want you to understand that. I could have taken my spouse and said, we're out of here. I'm going to go find another church. Brethren, it was difficult. It was hard. And for many months confused, brethren, confused. God, what are you doing? Why do I have to submit to this? I don't even agree what he's doing. He's in error. He is in error. He's using the Word of God for his own purposes, error. But you know what, brethren? Over the course of the next couple years, by God's grace, my heart was starting to change, and my burdens and desires were for China instead of the Philippines. And also, I came to a biblical understanding of the doctrines of grace. And, 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 and it, it was in that time that God opened up my eyes to His sovereignty and salvation. And brethren, I'm standing here in a pulpit now, pastoring a flock, pleading with you, teaching you, shepherding you. I don't know where I would have been, brethren, if I just said, I'm out of here. I have no commitment here. I don't even believe this guy's out of line. It's not even true doctrine. I'm leaving. I don't know where I would be, brethren. God has blessed it. And I stand here today as just evidence of that. In difficulty. In difficulty. When I had disagreement submitting underneath the, the, the authority in our church, trusting God. I want to encourage you with that. Brethren, Look at the text. Who is God concerned with? Who is He concerned with? What does He say at the end of, the, of 17? You! That's right. For that would be of no advantage to you. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you, brethren. To you! He is concerned with you for your good, for your spiritual well-being. God is concerned for the good and safety of His people. We get this in Ephesians 5, 5.22. Wives, submit everything to your husbands. Why? For protection and care. It is good for the wife to come underneath the loving shepherding of her husband as the husband lays down his life for her as Christ laid down His life for the church. To protect her spiritually and physically. To watch over her. To nurture her. To wash her with water of the word. To lead her, brethren. It's for the good of the wife.
1: It's for the good of the church to submit under Christ. Ephesians 6.1 Children Hudson Caleb Jackson You guys know Ephesians 6.1? What is it? Children Children
0: Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Do you guys know what the next couple of verses talk about? What? you say it? Help you say it. That it would go well with you. And that you would live long in the land. Brethren, God is concerned for the children. He commands the children: obey your parents so that it would go well with you. That you would live long in the land, brethren. It is not safe to rebel against parents. It is not safe to disregard their counsel and their shepherding care, as they are under-shepherds, as the, the priest of their home, leading the family in the things of God. It's for the children. God's concerned for you, brethren. He's always concerned for the people. Believe
1: that, church. Believe it. Last
0: last text here, brethren. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5 again as as I wrap this up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to lay something else out here before you <laughs> as, we, as we wrap up. Paul says here in, in, in verse 12, writing Brother, he's writing to a young church. He's writing to a young church. Listen, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Brethren, the, 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 Paul doesn't even, he, he's not commanding them. He's exhorting them, pleading with them, urging them, imploring them, tender, compassionate, pleading for this young church to respect and to esteem their elders, their leaders highly, to respect them, to know them fully, to appreciate their true worth as a people who, as, 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 as rulers over God's people. To know their true worth, brethren. To esteem them very highly. To have high regard for them. Brethren, do you have high regard for your pastors? Do you know their true worth and value to you? And you do that because of their work. What they do. And we've dealt with that, brethren. They work. Oh, they work. For God's glory, and notice, brethren, last thing here, to do that in love. Brethren, to respect those who labor among you, who are over you, who admonish you, to esteem them very highly in love, brethren. You do it in love. Not grudgingly. This is so important. We ought not be looked at as some cold voice of authority. Brethren, you do that in love. The Christian virtue. Love, brethren. Binding all things together. That new commandment that Christ gives us to obey. To love. Brethren, that, that, that first fruit of the Spirit. Love. Walking in the Spirit of God. That you would do that. In love. For your pastors. And it's by that love, brethren, that all will know that you are disciples of Christ. By the way you love one another including me, including Aaron, including Nick, brethren. Church, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. That would be of no advantage to you. Let's pray.